something you celebrate once a year. Being thankful in the Bible is something that we celebrate every single day. Right? We are thankful, thankful people. So I want to read Luke 22, 17, verse 17 through 19. Luke chapter 22, verse 17 through 19. Talking about Jesus. That he took the cup and he gave thanks. Everybody say thanks. He took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me interesting that Jesus institutes communion before his body was broken, before the Garden of Gethsemane, yet he takes the cup and he gives thanks. He takes the bread, he gives thanks, and he breaks it. His blood, as we just sang, his blood that was shed for our sins, his body that was broken for our healing. You know, uh, we read a little bit later on that in Luke chapter 22, and I want to read this verse, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's under some of the most pressure that he's going to have in the next several hours before he's crucified. And we read this in Luke 22, verse 43 through 45. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, what does it say he did next? He prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. The one who had all the pressure on him that was feeling all the way, he went to go check on the disciples because he last told them, hey, stay and pray. Well, what were they doing? Sound asleep, right? Sound asleep. But Jesus, even today, doesn't sleep, right? He is so aware of the things that you and I go through. In fact, we read this in the Bible, that uh, he is forever making intercession on our behalf. So today, as you take your uh, wafer out, if you would do that with me, and let's do what Jesus did. Let's stop for just a minute. Whatever it is today, healing in your body, healing in your family, uh, something that maybe you've not even told anybody before, but you would come today standing before the Lord, knowing that you need healing, deliverance. Would you take just a minute? Would you uh, picture that one thing? And then let's together, ready? Let's break our bread and let's receive Jesus's broken body. Let's break that together. When Jesus took the cup before he received it, he gave thanks. The Apostle Paul talks about in a time before communion that we examine our neighbor next to us to see if they're in the faith. No, we don't examine our, who do we examine? Ourselves. So Father, we come today and we thank you even as we've sung these songs that 1 John 1.9 says that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In fact, we read in, in your word that you cast it as far as the east is from the west, never to remember anymore. Micah, it's thrown down to the deepest depths 
the ocean not to be remembered. And Lord, I stand today and I remember the cup that Jesus said and his blood was a promise. His shed blood was a promise of our forgiveness, but the new covenant. Those promises in the word are yes and amen over our lives. And we receive that together. You know, one of the passages that I love that we read is the disciples sang a hymn after their time of communion. We don't know what they sang. But would you take a minute, in fact, let's do this. We'll all stand together and can, can you listen to that chorus again? And would you remember that you just demonstrated what Jesus said to do often to remember him? Let's worship together. Led worship. Pete found out at about 8.05 that he was leaving worship today. And so, Pete, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you stepping in and jumping in. But um, so I uh, want to show you a couple pictures. This uh, Friday night, we had the fall festivals, our fundamentals homeschool group. They had the trackless train. I did get on the last ride uh, before the guy left. I think the next picture is just from the back of the parking lot. They had tents up all on the side, all different game booths. They had some great food. Had so many creative little pumpkins that they did, like the Star Wars one. In fact, I didn't see that booth until they left Yoda at the coffee cart, uh, the little Yoda pumpkin. And I think there's one more. I don't think we, is there one more or no? All right, there was one because we had Ernie Gomez arrested and he was put in the jail uh, for a little while. So um, anyway, so that was a great, uh, great time out there. So this, this month, November, we call No Shave November. That's why I have, if you saw me today, No Shave November. You, um, Guys and girls, you can participate too, right? You can jump right in. Well, what we uh, ask you to do is to save a dollar a day. So it's $30 uh, by the end of the month. And we want to get some new tables for our food ministry uh, that's happening. So no shave. Now, you, you can shave. Some of your jobs, you have to shave. Uh, so so uh, we understand that at all. But if you want to participate, uh, we're doing that. Uh, also, this coming week, so Friday, November 10th, is our food ministry setup. All the food comes in um, about 1.30 and is set up in the fellowship hall. If you'd like to come and serve, 1.30 next door. And then on Saturday is our free food, and that starts at 9 o'clock. We start distributing food at 9. But if you'd like to come and serve, you can come serve inside, handing out food. You'll be directed on what to do. Outside, we help people to their cars, carrying boxes. We have a section uh, of crafts uh, with the kids as well, too, helping people in and out. If you'd like to come, uh, we do that at 8.30. So come and serve at 8.30. And then mark down November 19th, we'll, we'll do our Thanksgiving lunch right after church. So be thinking of what you can bring. Maybe you wanted to try a new turkey recipe this year. Maybe you have a ham in your family that's like the best, or maybe you're good just picking up rolls. That's your thing, right? You pick up, so that'll be on the 19th. After service, we'll do that together. All right. Well, I want to read for our tithes and offerings, Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. In fact, we'll read all five verses, and we'll look at some of these broken down. Uh, and that, let's all read this together. This is Psalm 103. Let's read verses 1 through 5. Ready? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, 
who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, there's that word in there, forget not all of his benefits. So in our time of offering and giving today, allow those five verses to be something that really sticks in your heart. And as we do each and every week, we're going to put up a, a prayer. But would you pray this individually? This is between you and your Father God. Let's pray this together. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I bless you, Lord. You've given me more blessings than I deserve, more than I can count, and you promise to bless my life. Today, I rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're giving today uh, in service, there's an envelope in your seat back pocket. You can place that in the giving slot that's on the wall as you exit. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can give online. Also encourage you, download today's notes. We won't go through all of the scriptures. Oh, we had an extra hour, right? It's everybody's body clock. You got an extra hour of sleep. How many of you really took advantage of that? You got that extra? How many of you was like, what extra hour? I've been up since whenever. But download uh, today's message notes. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, open with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. My title today is to be anxious for nothing. We're going to read that from the Apostle Paul today, to be anxious uh, for nothing. But Jesus kind of started this out and said these things in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And at the beginning of the verse, Jesus says this. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. And some of you are like, yeah, right. Now, Jesus goes on and he talks about uh, many things. But for us to remember, don't worry. Let's not be like uh, the world system that worries about everything. And he wants us to depend. And he introduced us to his father, God, your father, God. Don't worry about your life. But as we read in Philippians, uh, I want you to remember this, that the Apostle Paul is jailed. In fact, we'll, we'll read through this and know that he wasn't in the dungeon as he was before. We actually got to visit on our 25th anniversary, Paul's Dungeon in Rome. It's down below the septic system of that Roman day. And they shared through that tour that the sewer at various times would come up and so the bench that they would use for a bed, they would actually have to step on to get out of the way of the sewage that would be in the prison. But this church sent a donation so that the Apostle Paul didn't have to be in the dungeon. He could actually be under house arrest, but he was chained to a guard 24 hours a day. In fact, they would do shifts, but he was chained. And really, these four chapters in Philippians are a thank you letter to God, but a thank you letter of, of what the Lord is doing. And so we want to remember this, that this really shows us Paul's state of heart in the midst of circumstance. He doesn't want to be jailed. He wants to be out starting churches and encouraging the churches. 
He didn't fall into a pity party. He started to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read first, first, or Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14 to start this off. And here's what he writes. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I mean, so let's look at a couple of these words. So remember, Paul's chained to a guard. He's under this house arrest. This is 24-7. He says, the things which happened to me, they've actually turned out to be a furtherance of the gospel. The gospel is getting out because of what I'm going through. Now, we usually don't say that at all, do we? We usually say, what I'm going through is a mess. But here's what we remember. Does it further the gospel? What's the most important part is that we further the gospel. And then he says this, that it's evident to all the guards that these chains that I'm in are because of Christ. And it stirred up the believers and they became more bold to go out and speak because of what Paul was having to go through. Not because he did something illegal, because he preached the gospel. You know, I read this story that there was a little boy told his parents, he said, could we celebrate Thanksgiving after Christmas? And they asked him, why would you want to celebrate Thanksgiving after Christmas? Because I'd be more thankful for what I got on Christmas. Usually, our thanks to God usually happens after the fact. You know, a thank you card. You usually get a thank you card based on something you receive. You never send somebody, oh, I want to thank you ahead of time for the Christmas gift that you're going to get me. You would never do that. But the attitude of Paul's heart is what he's going through, it's furthering the gospel. It's becoming evident to the jailers, and it's stirring up and encouraging the churches. That's the opposite sometimes of how we think. But again, as we're going to see here in a minute, we want to make sure that we are always we're anxious and we're not worried about anything. You know, in our culture, we go from October, which everybody puts out pumpkins and Halloween, to November 1st. It's all about Christmas. Yet we celebrate as, uh, you know, an American holiday, Thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. But again, as I mentioned before, thankful, Thanksgiving, things that we read in the Bible aren't for a season or a day. It's to be a lifestyle. We're to give thanks to God. So Philippians chapter 4. I want to get there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. But before I read this, um, let's bow our heads all together right here. And I want to ask you to do something. This is between you and the Lord. Whatever is the biggest worry, whatever might, uh, might be that you feel like you're stuck, Whatever is the largest challenge of the day, maybe you woke up today and the challenge is on your mind, I want you just to picture that for just a minute, and I want you and I to give it over to the Lord even right now before we read those scriptures. Whatever it is, would you whisper under your breath, would you pray it from your heart, 
that you are going to give this to God and that this verse, these next few verses, are going to be your anchor. And let me read Philippians chapter 4 to us. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I find it interesting when we read this, we see two times that he mentions the peace of God. Two times he mentions the peace of God. Remember with me, if you would, when Jesus spoke peace to a storm, both the wind ceased and the waves became calm. He spoke peace be still. So in situations, and maybe those ones that you just thought about, he promises two different times that peace of God and allow it to be with you. In fact, Jesus said that he left peace with us. So you might be saying, I'm in the middle of a storm. Well, you know, you can, you can operate in peace in the middle of the storm because Jesus said so. And I want to trust him more than I trust my flesh or what somebody else would say, I, I trust him. But that very first verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, there's a, a few where, in fact, our title today, be anxious for, that was pretty good. All right, let's do that again. Ready? Be anxious for nothing. And you know the, that word anxious in the, the Greek one is the word worry. In fact, when you look at the word, it really means to be pulled apart. That's what worry does, right? It kind of pulls on you. It might keep you up at night. It might wake you up in the morning. It kind of pulls you apart. And our English word, worry, means to strangle. Now, nobody wants worry. You know, I'm really worried about this. You don't want to be strangled. Grab your neighbor's throat. No, don't do that. <laughs> nobody would sign up to be pulled apart and to be strangled. But many times... We talk about uh, being worried, right? Things stressing us out. The physical conditions, if you look up medically, that are connected to worry, headache, neck pain, ulcers, back pain, worry affects your thinking, your energy level, your creativity. Uh, for some, it affects their coordination. You know, everything, you ever see the commercials and they, they mention this new medication that's out and it sounds really good. And then this little voice starts speaking. Side effects include, you know, being in the bathroom all day long for a month. You know, you start hearing all of these like 
Like, why would I do that to have this side effect? Be anxious for nothing, the Apostle Paul says. So if we look at a spiritual point of view, we know that worry really is wrong thinking. We also know that that worry can affect our hearts and exactly everything that we say and how we treat people. And worry becomes the thief of joy. Well, how did the Apostle Paul start this word? He says, rejoice in the Lord only on Sunday at 10 o'clock, right? No, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. See, it's that whole different shift that we've done when we follow what Jesus says to do. The Apostle Paul is chained up, can't do what he knows he's called to do, uh, under that house arrest, chained to a guard, can't get out, can't strengthen churches, can't start churches, but he knows, you know what? I'm furthering the gospel. I know that everybody around me knows, they know that the reason that I'm here is because of Jesus Christ. And the brethren that are out there, the brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're stirred up because of what I'm going through. You ever thought about that? What you're going through might stir somebody else up because of the faith that you have in God and his word, right? And that's what we're called to do. We're called to stir others up. And then uh, we read this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. In heaven is God stressed? Does God look down upon this world and think, oh, what did they do today? Why didn't somebody tell me? Is God stressed? What's, what is uh, an absolute about God? Peace. Well, he says it surpasses all understanding. I can't understand how it works, but it just works. And it says it guards two things, your hearts and your minds. Many times we have that thing as we start thinking of how to fix everything how we can help God do everything. And he says, I want you to have peace and allow it to guard your hearts and your minds. I was thinking through this morning. In fact, I just wrote down a, a story. We moved from North Carolina in May of 2009. And we had about a year prior, we had merged our church with another local church to plant other churches around. It was a 485 loop around Charlotte. But we just felt like we were supposed to be be back we didn't know how we would get back but the thing that we always anchor whenever we make a decision and, and I encourage you that this would be the way that you do it whenever you're making a decision to follow the Lord that you've heard from him and it's something that he's spoken to you by his word I still remember when we were in the early parts of deciding exactly what to do that I woke up one morning and uh, the Lord had me go to 1 Kings 17. And what stood out the most was a very powerful word. And it was the word there. That's powerful, isn't it? There. And I knew that I needed to get there. I knew California was the there. I needed to get there. Well, we had somebody that was at our church come up to us. And they were asking us, so when you guys get back, what are you going to do? And we didn't know right away. 
Well, they had bought Michelle. In fact, if you've ever come to our house, uh, it's a picture that, um, that we have on the wall. It was a picture from this family that they had given us. And then the husband began to ask me about what we were going to do, how could they could support us. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do. He says, you know, I'm going to send the picture, and we'll send you guys something. And I kept going back to that there. I woke up uh, another time. We were wrestling between moving because we didn't really have the money to, to move back. You're moving's crazy. But we were coming back in 2009 when nobody was moving. It was actually cheaper to have a moving company move us than for us to go get a U-Haul truck. And so we found this one company, and I woke up one morning, and the Lord took me to Exodus 14, where um, God told Moses to tell the people, go forward. And I felt I knew that that was the Lord telling me, go forward. We ended up calling this company, and for no money down, I signed, and they were going to bring all of our stuff to California. And I just knew when we got there that somebody was going to, right, support whatever, whatever we did. Not that nobody had asked a figure or anything that he was going to take care of it. We were actually moving right away into a house next door to a couple friends of ours, and we had already talked with uh, one of the, the lady that owned it and her husband. They were going to give us one of their dogs. We had a dog. We had a pug. They were going to give us the food. They had a pool, you know, and the kids were all excited. That fell through when we showed up and met with the husband because he didn't want to fix anything. He didn't want to give us a dog. In fact, later, I think it was the next day, he says, I denied you. I'm like, how do you deny me? I'm supposed to move in. We're, oh, I just deny you. Why do you deny me? I deny you. All right, I'm denied, whatever it was. So now we know we've got all of our stuff coming in, and the picture arrives, right? So the picture's at, we had one of those little mailbox addresses. We get the picture. There's no envelopes. There's, I don't have any money for all my stuff arriving. The Lord just told me to get there. Now, all of a sudden, I'm starting to get a little concerned. In fact, they took all of our stuff out of a truck and they put it into storage, and we only had X amount of days. And I had no money. I didn't have uh, any new job yet. I didn't have any way to, to get money. I didn't have a credit card, you know, enough to, to move it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Now, I get a phone call from the general manager of this moving company. In fact, I still see his name. For some reason, it's still on my phone, and I delete it because it's been so long, and I don't even want to remember this part. And he would call me. He says, I just have one question for you today. How did you get out of California without paying a dime? I don't know. We're trying to figure out how they let you out. He says, but here's what you've got. You've got 30 days to come up with the money, or all of your stuff is going to be at the port of uh, Long Beach, and it's all going for auction. I never told Michelle that. Because we brought everything back. We had all of our kids. She kept all the kids' little clothes, like when they were babies, like their pacifiers. I didn't have the heart to tell them, yeah, you might want to get out on the pier and make, you know, make some offers about getting the money. We had 30 days. Let me tell you, have you ever been there before? I have 30 days, and your mind starts processing. But I keep going back to, I know the Lord said to get there. I know the Lord said to move forward. And I do want to say this. It's kind of the caution. Don't copy what I did. Because you're going to get in trouble, right? Don't just copy that. You do what the Lord tells you to do. Well, I had Michelle. We had our one car. I had Michelle drop me off. I was meeting somebody for lunch. And we were just having kind of a casual lunch. And this person asked me, by the way, um, 
how did you guys have the money to move back? And I said, well, we don't. What do you mean you don't? I said, we don't have the money to move back. Well, how are you going to get your stuff? Well, we're trusting that God will do it. Well, how much is it? Oh, no, no, I don't want to say. How much is it? I told him the amount. All right, let me write you a check and give it to you. You guys take care of it. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I, I can't take out a loan, right? I, I can't be responsible. That's not a loan. Well, I can't, pay, you know, I don't know when I, it's not a payback. Would you just take the check? And it hit me right there. It was there. The there wasn't somebody in North Carolina that was going to take care of it when I got here. It was God had worked somebody here to take care of the there. And it was the best phone call to call the guy. All right, I got the money. Right, Michelle could get the little kids' clothes back, all of our furniture, if you've been to our home, everything we brought back. And it was one of those things that I always thought, I don't ever want to have to go through that again. Ever said that to the Lord before? I don't ever want to have to go through that. But he, di- he does take you to different levels upon levels. But I learned so much in trusting him, right? In the most, now, stuff is not important. I love moving when I just get my clothes, right? That's my, like, ideal move is let me just take my clothes and sell everything at a yard sale. That's, like, my ideal, that, you know, moving everything across the country, that's not something that's exciting to do. But I went back to those promises, and I remember this in the midst of it, is there's a peace that guides and directs you because sometimes you think you made the most stupidest decision of your life. You've ruined your family, right? You've ruined your reputation. And it's the Lord comes through because he said so, because he trusted his word. And that's what we read when we read the Bible. We read stories about men and women that trusted what God said above anything else, above what they saw, They trusted what God said. So when Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, don't allow that worry to come back when you know that God has provided. And Jesus said it, right? Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about all of those things. So I want to read a few verses for us before we close uh, today. In fact, it'll be in the notes when you download it. And I want you to read these with me, and I pray that some of these verses, maybe there's a verse or two that really hits home today. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, out of the Old Testament. Let's read this. Let's all read this together. Ready? You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts you. Perfect peace. But it's connected to whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts you. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Now notice the great peace comes with those that love God's word, right? The law. They love the word of God, and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast that burden on the Lord, right? Cast that burden. He will be. Notice that connection of it's always coming back to trusting the Lord. 
trusting what he says over your life. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. But here's what Jesus says. My peace I leave with you. My peace I'm going to leave with you. And then the last one uh, is Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 through 30. Jesus says these words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's interesting. We're, we're not used to, we see images of oxen that are yoked. We've seen singly or we've seen uh, two of them. They're plowing a field with that yoke that's on them that gives them a direction. Well, Jesus uses that analogy, but he says, take mine on you. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. Take my yoke on you, right? He says he'll do the heavy lifting. That's why we cast the burden on him. Let him do the heavy lifting because he calls, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have to take it on myself. Well, um, I want to pray, but I want our worship team uh, to come up. We're going to close with this song. In fact, uh, as they're coming on up, if you would all stand with me. And I want to mention this fact that Frank and Cindy are going to come up and have Michelle come up as well, too. Uh, several years ago, we were at a, an event, and our supervisor read this verse. And um, we were anointing pastors not on the front of their head like we usually anoint with oil. He asked us to anoint the pastor's them on the back of the neck. That might sound right, interesting, right? But it was to symbolize that you're taking Jesus' yoke on you that it's light, it's easy, right? It was that symbol of doing that. So as, uh, as our worship team leads in the song, you, you're free to stay in worship, you're free to uh, be dismissed and go. But if you feel like today, hey, I, I need that touch of oil, that anointing on the back of my neck to be reminded today, tomorrow, this entire week, that I need Jesus's yoke on my neck. I need it. I'm going to cast aside the heavy burden. So, Lord, as we, as we pray and we worship and we anoint and we even dismiss, Father, we remember the Apostle Paul's words to be anxious for nothing. We remember that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and will guard our minds. Father, we pray that we get back into right thinking according to your word, not according to to what things look like. We trust you through the process. We trust you that you are guiding and directing our life, and we trust you that you're making the crooked places straight. In Jesus' name. So if you would like to be anointed today, back of your neck, I have you come forward. We have oil up here. You want to stay in worship? 
Go for it. Worship. If you feel like kneeling, bowing, you feel like it's time to be dismissed, you're dismissed. But we want to take those times. You feel like today, hey, I need that light, easy, on the back of my neck. I want you to come forward.